Hello, this is Harrison Armour. Welcome to the Interns Podcast. And this is Nathan Verghese. We're excited to bring you some interviews from people at the church. And this week's interview is especially interesting, but a little long. So we're going to get right into it. Right to. We hope that you enjoy our interview with our very own senior pastor. And now, Gil McKee. All right, and it's recording. Awesome. Great. Brother Gil, welcome to welcome. the Intern Podcast. Yes. Uh, let me switch into my radio voice really quick. <laughs> uh, try and drop it down a few octaves, see if I sound a little better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how's, your, how's your week going? You getting a lot done? Week's going well, busy, but good. That's yeah, good. it's all good. Awesome. So do you prefer to be called Dr. McKee or Pastor no. McKee, Pastor Gill, Brother Gill? Is there specific? Just whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> whatever we're comfortable with. Yeah, Pastor Gill, Brother Gill, Gill. For that matter, but uh, yeah, 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 whatever. I got you. Awesome, awesome, yeah. great. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and break the ice with some of these icebreaker questions uh, that we have for you. Um, my first one is that: Is it true that if you're on staff of the church, you don't have to tithe? Whoa, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good icebreaker. No, that is not true, Harrison. In fact, uh, just the opposite is true. If you, if you serve on this uh, church staff uh, uh, in a full-time ministerial position, yeah. then uh, it is absolutely mandated that you that you do tithe. Yeah. That's good. Well, I would recommend taking a closer look at Joe Armour's records. <laughs> I will do that. Yeah. Right. Give him a little bit of an audit. I, I don't ever check on myself personally, but I, I can call the person who can do that. Yeah, right. so I'll, yeah I'll find out about Joe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm curious. It's about, what is it, 2 o'clock? So um, did you have five loaves of bread and two fish for lunch today? No, but I had two loaves of bread and five fish. Okay. <laughs> I, I prefer the meat over the bread. So, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. A little controversial claiming fish to be meat, but we'll allow it, I guess. Um, have you ever walked on water before? Ooh, no, I've come close a time or two and I've been scared, but uh, I've never successfully uh, stayed on top of water very long. Mm. On skis or otherwise, yeah. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we've broken the ice. <laughs> For sure. Uh, <laughs> So let's jump into our very serious questions that we have for you <laughs> okay. on our internship podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, here's the thing that a lot of people don't know. What does a pastor do all day when you're not standing up in the pulpit preaching? I mean, I assume that you go play golf a lot and <laughs> go to the country club and yeah. have a good time. Yeah, actually, Sunday is the only day, you know, a pastor works, as uh. some people think, yeah. No, no, it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're here every day. Uh, our staff in general, of course, Sunday for us is considered, if you will, a work day. You yeah. know, we're here, you know, all day on Sunday. Right. And, uh, but, um, and so every, every staff person gets a, a day off during the week in addition to Saturday. So right. uh, generally that's for us as a staff on Friday or at least take Friday afternoons. Mm-hmm. But other than that, Sunday we're here, of course. Monday is always a staff meeting, staff prayer day. We begin the mornings that way, uh, yeah. connecting. Um, every other Monday we will have an extended staff meeting in uh, addition to our prayer time, right. which usually goes to about lunchtime. Sometimes we eat lunch together as a staff, continue our conversations right. and so forth. And uh, then from there we, you know, we mostly go our own ways, you know, as a, as a staff. So for me, my week sort of looks like uh, I try to take mornings on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings right. to study. 
And uh, by study, I mean that's uh, to prepare sermons for Sunday. Mm-hmm. If I'm teaching uh, another class in addition to that here at church, right. prepare. Or if I'm teaching, for instance, a Sanford class, something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday is pretty much a, a complete day of study. Yeah. When we're in normal schedule times, I may be teaching Wednesday night. Of course, we have our other Wednesday night activities and so forth. So Mondays is really a day to to catch up from over the weekend. Uh, Monday afternoons usually do a lot of follow-up, contact with people who have visited or returning phone calls, emails, that sort of thing. Kind of try to keep appointments for counseling and other meetings on uh, um, the afternoons. Right. Uh, yeah, of Tuesdays and, and Thursdays, if possible. Right. Um, and then some evenings, um, counseling, like premarital counseling and mm-hmm. other issues and so forth. But right. that's kind of a basic skeleton, and I just go from there. Um, yeah. Obviously, things like you know funerals and visits that have to be made, that sort right. of thing breaks into that you know, that schedule, but that's, that's kind of the skeleton for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Fascinating. Yeah. That's cool. I never, I never really knew that. I just, you know, what my dad do who worked here, he just always seemed he could leave whenever he wanted. So we always gave him a hard time that (laughs) people, people who worked at church really didn't do anything. Um, so tell us about how you got into the ministry. Um, you know, when did you, like, what age were you when you felt called to go into ministry, and uh, why did you decide to, you know, be a pastor? Yeah, that's a great question, Harrison. You, you kind of answered the why uh, there, but I'll, I'll come back to it in that uh, most of my life, starting back when I was a young boy, and I mean probably eight, nine years old, yeah. I always wanted to be a physician. Um, was interested in medicine, yeah. just kind of always had that. Um, and that remained that way until I was about 17 or 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I had already um, uh, registered uh, in a pre-med program at uh, Houston Baptist University in Houston. Oh, wow. But around in that same time, God began to speak to me. And you used the key word a while ago, it's a call. Yeah. And uh, I think God really, I think, I think anything we do as Christians is a call. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's uh, if you're an electrician, you're an engineer, whatever, we ought to seek what God's plan is for our life, and He calls us to particular things. And just like those are specific callings, I think callings into vocational ministry, that's a specific calling, whether that's as a, you know, a, a lead pastor, a worship pastor, a student pastor, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, those those are those are calls, and uh, so I began to sense that God was calling me in that direction. And so, in my uh, in my second semester uh, of my freshman year, which it, I was just taking basics anyway, that's really when I began to uh, I sensed that God was calling mm-hmm. me into uh, into ministry. Yeah. And uh, believe it or not, it, I really felt like at that time it was in music. Uh, because that's where I had some gifts and abilities, and uh, so uh, began to to work uh, on a music degree. Yeah. Uh, but in church music, mm-hmm. uh, choral conducting and voice were kind of my principles, and uh, continued that. My junior year transferred to Hardin Simmons University, where 
they had a really great, great church music program. Right. Uh, and probably my second semester there, my junior year, God started uh, tweaking with me again. He began kind of talking to me about uh, preaching ministry. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I guess this is a big part of my testimony to share with young men and women because yeah. just so you can see that, that, you know, dealing with God's call, sometimes you have to spend some time, you struggle with that. But I, mm. I really struggled with that because I enjoyed music, loved what I was doing, uh, was able to serve a, a, a large church as a college pastor, uh, direct a 60-voice college choir, and yeah. uh, I was an assistant to the worship pastor there. So I loved what I was doing, yeah. had a great time. But all the time, deep down inside, God was kind of, he was... He was touching my heart about it, and uh, it wasn't that I was running. I just didn't understand why. I mean, I'm enjoying this so much, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. So graduated from Hardin Simmons, and I got married two weeks later. Nice. And I had never told a single person about what was going on in my heart. Not my parents, not mm-hmm. Sharon, wow. no one. Mm-hmm. I'd never even prayed about it. Mm-hmm. So I went to Southwestern Seminary, where your mom yeah. and dad went as well, right. Harrison, and. Um, uh, my first semester there was just uh, miserable. Mm-hmm. God really turned the heat up on me. And mm-hmm. so um, in uh, the 1st of January, I, I told Sharon and uh, shared with our parents, we began to pray about what God was doing. It was actually on January the 30th of 1983, my second semester of seminary, that, that I really sensed clearly God was calling me to preach. Mm-hmm. So trying to preach and um, never looked back since yeah, and that's yeah. that's where that's where God had me and, and uh, from that point finished my training and education you know uh, in that field and so yeah so I, I think I think all of us struggle with what God's call is in our life and you know I would just say in general that until a, a, a Christian, really finds what it is that God is calling you and equipping you to do. You will never be totally satisfied and fulfilled. Mm-hmm. There's going to always be this struggle and this pull, you know. And uh, so I would just encourage young men and women, no matter what you feel like God's calling you to do, don't just look at the rest of your life as something for you just to choose to do. Yeah. Look at the look at the rest of your life as an opportunity to discover and to fulfill God's call for your life, because that's where you're going to be the happiest. You're going to be most fulfilled, and you're going to be the most productive. You're going to make the greatest impact as far as the kingdom and what God wants you to do. Yeah, right. You know, versus just you know thinking that that's not an important decision. It's it's a very important decision. Yeah. So you said that when you answer the calling that God has for us, we, that's when people will find most satisfaction yeah. and uh, most fulfillment. So would you say that you, uh, right now in your current stage of life, are very satisfied and fulfilled with your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, probably more fulfilled and satisfied and content I'm 60 years old than I've ever been. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm... I'm just struggling to, to get to the finish line. You know, it's it's still very extremely excited about what God. I, I, I love, my favorite place to be is to be either standing or sitting on a stool in that <laughs> you know in that pulpit and and yeah. teaching and proclaiming God's word and and 
because that absolutely was his call in my life. Mm-hmm. In fact, God called me to preach before I knew it would be as a pastor. Mm-hmm. That came well, later. I, I didn't know for sure what that meant, yeah. whether it was to be as a pastor or a teacher somewhere or yeah. a missionary or whatever it might be. Right. I just knew that he wanted me to preach. I knew that for sure. Right. And then he, he very quickly, you know, um, let me know that it would be as a pastor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. So, uh, back a little bit, did you grow up in Houston? I did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. I, well, actually, I, I was born in Houston, and uh, that's a yes/no question. When I was three, we moved to Baton Rouge, okay. Louisiana. Yeah. Lived there until I was fifteen. Right. Then we moved back to Houston to Pearland, Texas, and that's where I finished high school. You know, graduated and, and then, of course, went to school uh, in Texas and so forth. So there's a rumor that I want to address since you mentioned Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have heard that you, before you came here, yes, you were a very big LSU fan. Yeah, absolutely. No no, no <laughs> doubt. Go Tigers. Yeah, as they say. Yeah, I mean, because that's that's all I knew. I mean, yeah, yeah. when you think about it. In fact, we had we had season tickets the 12 years we oh, lived wow. here. That's crazy. So, wow. of course, my dad was a much different person. There's no way in the world I can go out here and sit in this stadium at night till late and get up on Sunday. <laughs> that didn't bother dad, you know. And, oh, wow. and back in those days, all of LSU's games were really at night yeah. in the mm-hmm. Tiger Stadium. So. It wasn't unusual at all for us to get home at one o'clock in the morning or whatever from a game, and then Dad, you know, had mm-hmm. preach and faster wow. and all that. So, you know, but uh, but yeah, so I, it, that would have been like somebody who grows up here. You know, you, you you grow up as a as a Tide fan or Auburn fan or you know whatever. So yeah, yeah so that is that that is true. But uh, it didn't it didn't. <laughs> it didn't take me long to really become a, an Alabama fan. In fact, uh, yeah, so like uh, one of my high school buddies actually came to school over here. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so uh, I began to, I'd always liked Alabama, except when they played LSU, you know, right. that's when I, but uh, uh, so I really began to watch them closely then, and so I'd always said, yeah, I'm, 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 I could be an Alabama fan, except when they play LSU. Right. And that lasted for about seven years here, and and then it swapped. And yeah, I, and I went over, and I bought in. Yeah, I just went. All right, now it's time for me to be uh, uh, an all tied guy. So I know the students can't see in here. Y'all can, but there's some evidence in here. Yes, that, yes, there that yes. For those true. listening, we have a we have a crimson jersey hanging on the wall. <laughs> so yeah, yes. a couple of signed footballs, and uh, tickets to the tickets. To the national championship game. When we beat LSU. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. Well, that's that's that's, total, that's the true evidence. That's total conversion. Okay. Well, let me give you more evidence, all right? So <laughs> I went to the game with some LSU fans. Sat in okay. LSU section in the Superdome in New Orleans. I was one of two people who were dressed in crimson wow. in that entire section. Dangerous. That it, sounds dangerous. Potentially I dangerous. was willing to tell you, and I'm telling you, so that's what you that's your proof. <laughs> I definitely uh, uh, was was all in Alabama. Yeah. So. Would you say that would that is the second biggest change that's happened in your life from besides becoming a Christian, becoming an Alabama fan instead of an LSU fan? No, I'd say the second biggest change was getting married. But then maybe <laughs> yeah. that's, that's probably a big one. Harry and I have no experience in that area. Yes, yeah. You'll figure that out one day. Yeah, yeah, right. So maybe the third biggest decision, is yeah, the third maybe. biggest change. Yeah. <laughs> so when did when did you make it to Tuscaloosa? 
We moved here in um, March, actually, of uh, 2000. Yeah, so oh, happy wow. 20 years. Right? Yeah, happy that's 20 right. years. Yeah, yeah that's it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, wow. We've lived in Alabama longer than Sharon and either one have lived anywhere else. Wow. So Alabama's our home, you know, yeah. having been in Florence three years. So we, we've been in Alabama 23 years now. Yeah. So this really is home, and uh, we love it. Yeah, yeah, we, right. we love it. Yeah, right. Well, I do want to I do want to commend you for being here for twenty years. That's <laughs> that's incredible, um, and I don't think very heard of um, so much more. There seems to be a lot of movement in other other places, yeah. um, and we definitely the staff is not exactly the same as it was when you got here, yeah. but um, the church has been through a lot since you got here in yeah. two thousand, uh, all the way up to now. There's been so many things that have happened. Even the most recent was the COVID nineteen. Um, and there was a tornado that happened in 2011 yeah. and the recession in 2008 um, and plenty of other things. But I've always heard from people who have been here and seen, seen it that you have led so well and always been such a good rock and a steady foundation for the church and the people here and even this community. Um, so would you, would you tell us a little bit about what some of those challenges have been like over the years being here for 20 years, yeah. you know, and there's different things that have come up and how you've, how you face those head on what, what, just kind of what that was like. Wow. That's a great question. Thank you, Harrison. Um, well, f- first of all, I want to make sure to say this, that, um, while I understand that, that long tenures mm-hmm. with pastors and churches is not as common as it used to be years and years ago. Yeah. This church has had a, a wonderful heritage of some long tenured pastors in its history. Right. Not always, but of course the longest tenured was L.O. Dawson, mm-hmm. who was here for 32 years. Wow. Um, yeah. And he, of course, is the longest tenured pastor. But two pastors before me, um, uh, Dr. C.C. Randall, Mm -hmm. he was here for 20 years. And so I'm just about to, I guess, kind of slide into that second longest position here pretty quickly. But uh, And then my predecessor, Rick Lance, was here 15 years. So when you think about that, uh, over the last, what is that, uh, 55 years, the church has only had three pastors. Wow. So I think that not only says something about the pastors, but most importantly, I think it says something about the church. Yeah. And this is a a great old church, and there have been a lot of wonderful people who God has put here who have been great lay leaders and people who have stood firm through a lot of those rocky times, a lot of times that, of course, happened years and years and years ago. So. So I, I just want to, yeah, I, I just want to uh, say something about I think the the quality of this this church and mm. uh, the, the wonderful people that are here, and that that certainly has made uh, mine Sharon's ability to stay here, um, you know, much much easier I think. But but back to your your, your question uh, about you know leading through difficult times. Um, First of all, I, I think I think um, learning to lead leaders mm. has been an important part of that because yeah. because of what I just said about our church. Our church has always had a lot of leadership quality people in it, whether that be people who are leaders in the community or you know in the the, the, the uh, 
the, the business um, community, uh, right. the university, the education system, the whatever else. There've been you know there've been a lot of really good leadership type people, and so mm-hmm. when you when you pastor a church that is accustomed to having a lot of leader people in it, a lot of leaders in it, then that's a different thing than pastoring a church where maybe, like a church where I started out in a, you know, a little town that had 125 people in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, you know, you, you were the leader. I mean, you, yeah. that was it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you just, you know, you, you have to learn to lead in the context in which you find yourself, wherever that is that God put you. And uh, so I think learning to lead leaders has been important in that. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I think even more importantly is, is, uh, you know, it's it's when you face difficult times where you really find out what kind of leader you are. Yeah. You know, it's easy to lead when things are good. Mm -hmm. It's, It's when things are tough or when there's a challenge that you find out, all right, have you got what it takes to step up and make decisions and do what you need to do? And in God's kingdom and God's work, we need to always be careful to make sure we're making decisions that are led by the Holy Spirit. And so that's been a real, real, um, a real important piece of that, I think, is that I've just tried to always base my leadership and my decision-making on God's Word to try to lead as Scripture teaches us to lead. Sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's challenging. Uh, but that's been my commitment to try to make my leadership uh, based on a servant model leadership mm-hmm. in the way Christ led. Um, the other thing that's been a great advantage for me is uh, the team that God has put around me here, mm-hmm. our, our staff, your dad, uh, for one. Um, See, Joe's, y'all been here how long, Harrison? Because you were just a chap when y'all came here. But. Yeah, we, we've been here about 14 years. Yeah, that's, that's right, 14 years. So, you know, I've been really blessed to have good men and women around me here um, and to have interns and associates and yeah. guys like you and Nate who come through and... and you guys have important roles, you know, in helping us do what God's called us to do here. And so uh, we've been blessed to have people who can do that and, mm-hmm. and turn them loose and not try to micromanage them, let them do their, you know, let them do what God's called them to do. Right. So I don't know if that answers your question, but those would be some things. No, I, I guess we could ramble good. on forever, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I have a fun question for the yeah. kids. Uh, yeah. Do you have any funny stories from working in ministry? Oh. Anything ridiculous happened to you in your in your time? <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Um, I, I think probably some of the some of the funniest <laughs> stories in ministry take place around some of the most serious things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like every kid that's listening to this can can probably relate to this. You know, like in church, you have this feeling that you don't really need to be laughing. You know, maybe yes. it's during the sermon or during a prayer time or something. You know, that you just feel like this is not the time to laugh. And something happens, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, that you just can't help. It's just funny, you know, and so you just, you, you're just laughing. So, so I've had, 
I've had times like that. For for example, years ago in Baytown, Texas, there there was a there was a man in our church who sat on the end of one of the pews every week, same place. He was bald headed, slick as he could be, wore glasses. He was an accountant. So you know how those money, you know, counting mm-hmm. people are. He didn't have a ton of personality. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, he was a, an, old, a, an older guy at that time, and, and uh, he took some medicine, so he had a hard time staying awake. Well, every Sunday, he would sit on the end of that pew, and he would he would put his fist, his hand, up under his chin here. And about three or four minutes into the sermon, generally, he was... He was off. He was not at all. You know, he was asleep. He just couldn't help it. Well, one Sunday, I just I had gotten started in my sermon, and I just happened to kind of look out there, and I got locked on him somehow and started watching him, and he would nod off, and his old head would go down. Well, about the third time that happened, he'd gone back to sleep. He nodded off so heavy that, I mean, he just was out, and when he went out, the knuckles on his hand caught his glasses, and it just popped his glasses off of that bald head right out in the middle of the aisle his glasses went and I'm preaching and I'm watching all of this and as soon as that happened well his wife elbowed him and he woke up and came out of that dead sleep and and all of a sudden his hands are out in front of him because he can't see his glasses are gone she's trying to get him to you know settle down and next thing I know he's down in the aisle getting his glasses and this whole time of course I'm trying to preach, but I'm like, <laughs> kids have been. I'm sitting there just doing everything I can do to keep them laughing. You know, I'm just dying. So I, you know, I made it. I made it through that. Uh, one time, I saw a Darren Lord's supper. Another time, you know, that's a serious worship <laughs> time, right? Yeah. So they're passing the trays, and about halfway back, one of our deacons, when he gets ready to hand the the tray for the the little the bread the little mm-hmm. crackers well it got caught on the edge of the pew well instead of pulling it straight back you know he just kind of does that no, it was like a dive springboard <laughs> <laughs> and I mean crackers just went everywhere you know oh, all over the place you know so much for a serious worshipful moment you know there's the story of a a, a lady I baptized had the joy of baptizing and uh, sweet sweet lady um but uh, she was very fearful of water and so forth. And so I'd worked with her a little bit about that. Well, when I took her down, you know, I was going to baptize her. Well, her body, she was about six foot tall and probably weighed about 200 pounds. She was a Jamaican lady. We had a Jamaican family in our church. Just lovely, lovely lady. And, uh, but she just set sail. I mean, her body just started levitating on top of the water. Well, I'm thinking, what do I do now? Yeah. I mean, so I didn't know. I couldn't put my hand on her forehead and slam her, you know, under or on her chest or whatever. So finally, I just sloshed a little water up on her, just got her on up, and said, "We'll have to let that do, you know, this time." But does that count as immersion? Uh, I'm not sure. Only God knows. But I, I think I definitely believe she'll be in the kingdom. She was uh, just a great woman. Five of her six children came to know Christ. Wow. And uh, but uh, oh yeah, I could go on all day, y'all. There's there's mm-hmm. there's all kinds of stories that come through. I could tell you about a wedding where I planted a whoopee cushion under the bride's uh, dad's uh, seat oh, because <laughs> we were. I did it at the rehearsal, okay. not, not okay. the ceremony. But I'm telling you what, he sat on it. I, I planted it under the the uh, pad of the pew, and 
and man, he hit it. It wouldn't have been better if I'd marked X on there. He gave his <laughs> gave his daughter away. He goes around and sit down, and boom, he hit that. And <laughs> That whoopee cushion, man, just reverberated through that sanctuary. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. So, oh, we've, yeah, we've, we've, there's a lot of fun. God has a great sense of humor, and I believe he gives us laughter and joy, and there's plenty of laughter to go around in ministry. So, uh, yeah, that's a few things. We yeah. could go on forever. Well, it's good to know that even pastors aren't above using the whoopee cushion to get a laugh. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, and, and I'll just tell you, that guy deserved it. You know, he, was, he was a prankster. He, uh, he, one time, speaking of, 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 of baptism, baptistry, he filled my waders up about ankle deep with water one Sunday. Ooh. And I was running a little late, you know, getting in there. And so I actually stepped into the waders in my socks and pants and got my <laughs> pants and my socks wet and made the mistake of taking them off, turning them upside down, then put them back on. And I got all my pants wet. But anyway, so I had to come out in the sanctuary with my pants and oh, no. socks and feet wet, you know, and all of that. So he, he was he was definitely a prankster. But, uh, yeah. yeah. That's good. <laughs> All right, so we're going to turn more towards uh, questions, I guess, directly relating to students. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Is there something that you that you wish uh, middle school and high school students knew about this church or just knew about the church in general? What is something that you, you feel isn't communicated, I guess, as well to them that you would like them to know? I, you know, uh, I, I think... I think if I could say one thing, and this is probably just in general, not just our church, but I would want students to know that their place and their role in the church, I would want them to think about it as having a role in a family. Hmm. This is not just a place that they should look at to go once or twice a week for a social gathering or for some other kind of fun event. But they're a part of a family. And while all of that is involved in the family, just like any family, a family laughs together, a family cries together, a family goes through good things together, Mm -hmm. a family goes through tough times together, okay? But most families also have a, a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, families work together to achieve certain things. Mm-hmm. All right? And so the church is a family that has been called to work together to achieve the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And every member of the family, no matter what their age, is a part of that mission. So while I know that sometimes we adults may do things, whether intentionally or unintentionally, to make students think that this is not your time, your time will come, Mm -hmm. that's not true. This is your time. You are an important part of the family. And your role in this family, no matter whether you're 12, 14, 18, or 28, or 68, your role is to help your family fulfill the Great Commission because that is what God has called our family to do. Right. 
So your time is now. You know, your time is now. It's not only to enjoy the fun things, to play ping pong, to have the parties, the outings, or whatever. Your time is to do ministry. Mm -hmm. Your time is to, just like hopefully your mom and dad, wherever they work or whatever they do during the week, they carry that mission with them. Students carry that mission to school. They Mm -hmm. carry that mission to ball games or to the park or wherever they go and it's it's all part of what we as a church family do the 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 other thing that i would like to see more which uh i I think there's no question that our kids are are involved but uh students really need to realize there there are places of leadership for them Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. you know not not just following along in whatever the task is, mm-hmm. but step out and lead. You know, if you're a junior in high school, you, you have a place of leadership in the high school ministry. You need to be leading the freshmen. Mm-hmm. You, you need to be getting involved in D-Now and helping middle school students who are coming along. You know, you, you, uh, you, can, you can be a part of having some input in the lives of uh, adults who need the energy and that you have, and yeah. et cetera. You know, I mean, so there's, I, I just would want them to know that, I, I think one of the, the greatest influences in my life is that I was blessed to attend churches as a, as a young person, mm-hmm. and especially as a, 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 a youth, as a teenager, yeah. who really believed that. Mm-hmm. And, it was because of the opportunities that I was afforded to get involved in leadership. I believe God used some of that mm-hmm. to develop me into the leader that God wanted me to be. Right. And it wouldn't have mattered if it had been as a physician or whatever it may have been, whatever it is that God might have called me to. Mm-hmm. That experience in his family and God's family helped to prepare me for it. So, you know, the person that goes to work out here at, uh, at the university or, or, or is a plumber or whatever they do, they are no less a part of the kingdom work than I am. Mm-hmm. Just because my specific call is to be here in the church and to lead, you know, the body of Christ here in what right. we do, the Great Commission is what we're to be about every day no matter where we are. And we come here to refuel, to encourage each other, to learn, to be energized to do that, and then to go out and and to do it. So, um, I, I I just I would I, I think uh, I think it would really be a good thing if every student knew that, if they understood that, and beyond that, took that very seriously to say, you know what, I, I want to begin now, really finding out what it is that God wants me to do with my life and know that this is an important time in my life too to be a part of what he's calling me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So can you, do you have any ways, specific ways that students can serve in the church? Um, I know a lot of stuff is different now with what's going on, but uh, just ways that our students can get involved, not just with like the student ministry, but with the church as a whole. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a lot of opportunities, whether that's coming alongside senior adults who have some needs. Um, hey, guys that want to serve in particular ministries, whether it be, look, wouldn't it be cool if, if, on, if on Sunday mornings, let's say as people are coming here to worship, and not just members, but what about guests? Yeah. What about students being out and being somewhere outside, outside doors, speaking to people, welcoming people, looking for families that are guests, and maybe they'll find teenagers or children there that don't know what's going on. But you know what? To have a to have a teenager come up and say good morning, man, we're glad you're here. My name's Nathan. Uh, hey, can we help you? Where you know, where are you guys going this morning? What 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 can we do for you? Or to say to a student that you know is is going to be say in high school like you are, mm-hmm. hey, hey, come on, I'm I'm headed that way. Y'all come on and and, and go with us. Um, to to me, I think that's one of probably the greatest things they can do is to help other families and other individuals feel welcome and want to be a part. I think students are just like adults. One of the things we have to be careful about is is we can't get so locked in to the people that we hang with all the time that our group kind of becomes a a closed group and we make it difficult for somebody else to feel welcome. Mm -hmm. I know we don't intend to do that, but if we're not intentionally looking for opportunities to bless somebody else's life, then we really, even right here at church, we can do that. Here's the other thing. If I'm not willing to do that at church, the chances of me doing it tomorrow at school or at work are probably not not very good. Right. Hmm. I mean, this this is a pretty safe place, right? This is this is a pretty safe environment for us to yeah. you know to get out there and get our feet wet. Uh, we've talked often about, hey, it'd be cool if, if we put together a program to put pair uh, uh, students with uh, ushers or with greeters, like I was talking about, or or servers, whatever, and just let them, you know, let them walk alongside and to, to be involved in doing the ministry. And uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, those are some those are some examples of, of ways I you know. Uh, yeah, great. That's good. Yeah. Um. So another question that that we have for you, um, what is what is some advice that you may have for for students? Uh, who are in middle school and high school, and what is something that, that you wish you would have known or some advice you wish you would have like taken heed to when you were in middle school or high school? Wow. Yeah, you don't have time for everything, I think. That's just my idea. I would say that that I wish that I would have taken counsel and advice from godly adults more seriously. Mm. Um, not that I never took counsel from adults and not that I was, you know, such a, 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 or a terrible teenager or whatever. That <laughs> I mean, that's not the case. I mean, I had my own moments and things. But, and this, just, I guess this is something we all have to learn on our own. Yeah. But to know that there are consequences to every decision you make. And and I'll just put it this way. I had a few scares along the way in my life 
where I had to learn that lesson the hard way. Mm-hmm. And when I look back on that, boy, it really makes me tremble because I understand how different my life might have been today. Mm. Okay? Mm. And but for the grace of God, you know, yeah. I don't know exactly where I, I may mm-hmm. have been as a result of some of those decisions. Uh, and I will tell you that there are decisions that I made earlier on in life that still have consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that that would be that would be one thing that that when you take counsel of, from some uh, adults who have already been down the road, I, I know that that we all go through a time of life where we feel like adults don't know a whole lot, and surely it can't be that way. But as one who struggled with that same feeling and that same thought, uh, now I know that. It would have really been good for me to listen, right? Yeah. And my life would have been even better. Yeah. You know, there are some things that I wouldn't have had to experience and right. go through had I listened. Right. So, um, take time to have conversations with with older people. Yeah. And by older, I'm sure you know these kids are thinking you know, somebody's <laughs> in their twenties or whatever. That's fine. Take time to avail yourself to somebody that has kind of been down the road and hear what they have to say. At least listen to what they have to say. Uh, Because it may spare you uh, you consequences that that you really just have no idea about what may be there down the road. And what a great opportunity we have for that at a church. You know, so full of people who are willing to pour into us, you know, willing to pour into students, um, you know, being able, as a student, being able to, like, take that advice and take heed of it before we make a lot of those same mistakes those people have. I mean, that's a real blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always really appreciated how, uh, being in, in the student ministry, how the Sunday school teachers were always really intentional and willing to, willing to come and, and talk talk to us about things that were going on and weren't afraid to, you know, answer any question that we may have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we do, we're wrapping up, but we did put uh, a thing on our Instagram story where we asked people to send in questions. Uh-huh. Uh, you've already answered a few of these, but okay. um, this one's from Jurassic Wood. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with with that uh, username, but okay. he says, um, how do you feel about being the GOAT? And I think GOAT refers to greatest of all time. So he's asking, how do you feel about being the greatest of all time? The kid language, GOAT, greatest of all time. That's greatest of all time. Yeah. So Jurassic would ask, how do you feel about being the GOAT? (laughs) Well, I I don't know that I would uh, know what being the greatest of all time at anything is. So, (laughs) you know... I have no idea who that is or, or, or what. It's Justin Wood. Oh, my goodness, Wood. Jurassic um, Wood, Justin so, Wood. You know, I may be among some of the, the greatest Mexican food eaters of all time. I, I don't know what else, uh, you know, that, that might be. But uh, uh, Wood's a, a great, what a great guy Wood is. Yeah. That's what, what a joy to have had him. 
the part in his life, yeah. and I will be calling him about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Phil, please do. Please, yeah. please yeah. do. Yeah, everybody, please call yeah. Wood and give yeah. him a hard time. Yeah, <laughs> Wood, if you're listening to this, answer your phone. You, you yeah. can run, but you can't. <laughs> I will be calling you. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this will be this will be the last one uh, that, that we ask you. Madeline Crow sent you two questions actually. Oh. Um, and one was about asking for advice, and you've already answered that. Uh, and this one, you you don't have to answer it, but she asks, "Who is your favorite senior?" She doesn't specify if senior in high school or senior adult, but what would you who would you say is your favorite senior? Well, I think Madeline's trying to get me to say that she's my favorite. <laughs> and she's, I would say that Madeline is one of my favorite seniors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, That's good. yeah. In That's fact, good. I think I had like about 11 or 12 favorite seniors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. I Sounds like you've covered all your bases. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> but good try anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah, way to go. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, well, man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much thank for your you time. So much. Oh, yeah. good. This is fun. Appreciate yeah, thank it. You guys. Yeah. Congratulations on 20 years at First yeah, Baptist. Thank That's you. incredible. Thank you. Yeah. What a what a legacy. Yeah, what a legacy. well. We'll uh, we'll just take it a year at a time and yeah. and continue on and see what God has. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Thank you for your you guys for your yeah. Work and it's been fun, uh, Harrison. It was fun watching you grow up right. and become a young man and uh, become the the leader that you are and what you're doing. I'm proud of you. Congratulations on your graduation. Thanks. And moving yeah. into the next chapter. And Nathan, it's it's been a joy having you around here as well as a student and Appreciate being it. a part of uh, our our student team and all. And great guy. It's been fun having you. I hope you're going to be around here a lot longer. So uh, yeah. We hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, we can hey, man. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you all so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Dr. McKee. Watch out for more episodes coming to you soon. Now this has been the Intern Podcast.